What's going on, everybody? Co-host here, the captain with Bailey. Bailey's camping right now at Cayuga Lake, so he's making me do everything, and I thought I'd start <laughs> this off on a phony note. So today we're going to talk summer flipping baits and setups, and how to approach grass, wood, docks, etc. here in the north because we're both from New York. So Bailey, how is everything? It's good, dude. I figured I'd put you on the spot and make you do the introduction while I'm trying to, because I, I was bad and forgot to post on our, our social tonight on tomorrow's episode. So I'm like, Andrew, do the intro. But it's fair enough. Just, I'm just getting I, I, more I, practice. I think I rocked it on uh, on the flight there. So how Killed how's me. practice going, dude? Practice is good, but it's the kind of practice that makes me so mad for a tournament. And what I mean is like. It's, it's going to be good. one of those tournaments that are so hard to win because, like, everyone's going to catch them good. Ugh. Like, because they're up, they're doing the nasty, they're not hard to see, there's giants up shallow, and they're just stupid. Like, you can catch them on practically anything, um, and it's pretty going to be universally like that for this lake for Cayuga because Cayuga is Cayuga. I mean... There's giants in here. Granted, that you can kind of say that for every Finger Lake or any lake in New York. But there's some I'm fighting off bugs here too. So if I'm randomly swatting and you're on the YouTube side of thing, that's probably why. Um, but no, it's it's gonna be tough, dude. Um, I'm headed out tomorrow with a different game plan of trying to separate myself from people because my primary game plan right now, um, basically, I'm expecting there's gonna be a lot of people around, and I won't get into why. Um, but I know that there's gonna be a decent amount of people around, and I don't like fishing around people i hate it it just doesn't do well for me mentally um so i'm gonna go off on a deal tomorrow hopefully that pans out and if they if they're there and doing what i think they're doing um i'll have it to myself and if they're there it's, it's where i've caught some of the biggest fish this time of year is down there so if they're there it could be really good but the wind start is supposed to blow hard out of the west not hard but like five to ten out of the west um, around noon so it'd be one i have to get in get majority of my bag done and then figure out a game like a plan b for when that wind starts to blow just i think not really an area but more of like how to catch them off beds um once that wind starts to blow something i can kind of do and stay efficient but i don't know we're gonna see we're gonna go look around try to mark as many on bed as we can because uh, like i said they're up and doing the nasty but uh, there is some grass starting to come in here in the north. I know the south, is, obviously, they have grass. We watched Gunnersville today for day one. Um, but we're going to get into an episode on how to approach grass. Not that Andy and I are you know, elite or most amazing at flipping grass or wood, but in the summer, it sure is a hell of a lot of fun. And Andy and I like to implement it into our game predominantly in the summer months, like from now, you know, June-ish to... You know, June-ish to... Like that August, end of August, into September time frame. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So we're going to kind of break into up. that. We're going to talk about how we approach it and then what setups we use. Maybe talk a couple dates um, and kind of go from there. Heck yeah. Do you, um, what do you want to start off with? Like flipping wood, close combat dock stuff? Yeah, let's do that because I think docks are very universal like i don't think there's a region of the country where dock fishing isn't part of like a factor not right. just in tournament fishing but in just fishing in general like fish just stack up on docks it's just kind of fishing 101 so yeah let's go to 
stocks slash wood. Like, I feel like every single angler gets up on the bank and flips some sort of dock or structure. And yeah, grass so, can get grass fishing can get much more technical. Yeah, I agree. So usually the first thing I do when I approach docks is I throw a jig. It's a queen tackle, black and blue. It's pretty much the only color jig I own. I like to use. You can put a black and blue, a sapphire blue trailer on it, green pumpkin. Personally, I like docks that are isolated and that also have a lot of stuff around them, but not other docks. So grass, wood, brush, rock. Um, my favorite trailer on one of these jigs is actually a fuzzy beaver. And they're kind of cool because you can pull the appendages off of them and they become quite customizable as you go on the fly. You trim them down. I have one on my other rod, but they'll fit right on here really well. When I dock fish, though, I do do something a little different. I tend to go to a more short rod that's a heavier, medium heavy action. Uh, this is the new one I picked up this year. It's a Phoenix M1 um, nano tube rod. This rod's super light, has a really funky handle on it, but it has a ton of backbone to pull them out of the dock. And that's something that's super important. I always use 17 or 20 pound fluoro while dock fishing as well. What about you, Bailey? Uh, so I want to start this off by saying Andrew is a much better dock fisherman than I am. I know how to, to attempt and kind of position myself to fish docks and I know how to fish docks, but I hate fishing docks. And that kind of goes onto the spirit of, I like to do stuff that no one else is doing type of deal. I like to try to find, not saying I always do, but I like to try to find deals that are kind of unique and kind of what people aren't doing at time of year. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, like it's very similar i kind of figured you'd have that rod in in terms of specs that you'd have so i, I thought I'd, I'd bring something different um and it kind of plays in the grass realm as well but something that not a lot of people throw around docks um and it's a spinning rod so this is seven foot medium fast um now obviously you can throw a wacky rig and such on this but what i do you can do pegged or unpegged i don't like to peg it um i mean if i'm around wood i'll peg it we get, I'm sorry, the lighting's horrible here. It's a small, you can use a 3-aught or a 4-aught EWG and put like a 4- or 5-inch Senko and pitch that around docks. It's almost essentially like a free-swinging Ned rig, essentially is like what the point is. But 10-pound um, fluorocarbon to, got bugs all over me, dude. Like 15-pound braid, um, 2,500-size reel. Um, if, if that, you know, if they're not eating a jig, if they're not eating a big Texas rig bait, but they are on docks and you want to get really tricky with them. I feel like that's a good, that's a good application to go. And I, I know guys throw that. I, I mean, I do the same thing, but I throw so, it on a bait cap. Yeah. You here in a second and getting the sweatshirt on. You're fine. You're also breaking up a little bit, but that's not a huge deal. So. Am I? Yeah, a little bit. I mean to switch over to my phone. You there? Yeah, just waiting for you. You got me. Yeah, you I got me you. to switch over to my phone, so I have better service. I mean, it, it's completely up to you. It doesn't matter. What did you do, Hotspot to MacBook? Yeah, I got. Yeah, I'm on my MacBook right now, and Hotspot, so it's not very good. 
I mean, we'll we'll see if it works. I mean, it's not a huge deal. Uh, we'll go. What What do you want to do next? Grass or docks? Um, let's let's dive more into that shallow structure. The more like on the bank, connect to the bank deal. So so like wood and docks. What might be some other wood. presentations or ways? Maybe not. Let's talk about setups or baits right now. Let's talk about how to approach them. Maybe ways that obviously people know how to flip at structure, but maybe let's talk about unique ways to present it that not many other folks do. Ooh, you're making me think. I mean, well, I think beyond, beyond like you hear about people saying they skip farther than others skip, and that just seems logical. Um, but maybe because I know you've talked about it too, where you've had scenarios where you've gone behind people that are flipping docks and they're flipping the middle, they're flipping the front of it, but you were making cast, you know, not even just skipping out of the dock, but casting way towards the end of the dock on that shade line that it creates and yeah. like in, in dirt shallow and catching them behind people and better well, fish. And that's one thing that I do like doing differently than a lot of other people. I've run a smaller boat currently so I can get into very, very shallow water. So like I will fish, if there's a foot of water on a dock on the backside and there's proper bottom, like not mud, but rock or sand or gravel, I'll fish the very backs of the dock where the shade goes. Because, yeah, think of it as a dock is a runway for fish. So if they're not on the front, they could be, if there's a corrugated or a concrete wall in the back, they could be all the way back right against that concrete wall on the very back of that dock. And most people will speed right on through docks. And I try to cover every inch as possible. Um, one way that you can do that very quick and efficiently, if you want to, is go heavier. And a lot of people always try to go lighter on docks. I'll fish up to like a one ounce weight just so that bait gets down that two foot of water. And I'll as soon as it's bomb, I'll give it one or two shakes and pull it out and keep going because it's more of a reaction bite. Mm -hmm. If you can get it in that water quickly efficiently and quietly and get to hit that bottom and stir up the muck you're going to get far more bites than that guy that's out on the front skipping that sanko up underneath in the tight crevices with that spinning rod when i dock fish 99.9 percent .9 of the time i have a bait caster because i'm fishing heavier weights i'm fishing them faster than most people but i'm fishing that dock more efficiently i start on the front, the sunny side, and I'll work my way down the shady side all the way to the shallowest part of the dock that I think will hold fish. And the thing that we don't realize as anglers a lot of time is that the fish are much shallower than we than we actually think they are. So that is one key to my dock fishing that I'm kind of giving up here is the fact that I go shallower than most. And that's usually where my biggest bites come from as well. But it's you got to get good at right. that cast yeah. to where when it hits the water, you don't get the kerplunk effect. It has to go in smooth. It's almost like a bluegill popping. You are being well. Yeah, like kind of like you mentioned. Um, obviously, you're you're being stealthy, and it's a reaction bite. But like making sure that you're not having some disturbance. You know, you want to obviously have a reaction bite. You but you still want to catch them by surprise. Yes. So, and I think one thing to note about that: take like a really you know, on the days that it's really slick, calm, it's really hot, sunny, when those fish, you know, the best textbook times for those fish to move under docks, um, watch some of these boats that go by, and you watch a lot of guys that'll flip at their front two posts, they'll make one or two flips, they'll move They're on to gone. the next one. 
move on to the next one, but go to those docks and take a look at how those fish position. Um, you'll, you'll see, obviously, you'll see fish towards the end of that dock, but you'll find some fish, and chances are sometimes they might even be better fish more up shallow. Um, granted, I don't really have any rationale to the whole better fish thing because at the same point in time, I've seen fish on the end of it because it's deeper, but um, take a look because there's fish scattered throughout that thing, and even if they're not at that moment, if you stay on a dock for a while and just watch those fish and how they react and how they behave, a lot of times those fish cruise up and down that dock. So you might catch it as it's going shallow. That's one of those things makes, if you know they're on a dock deal, to take your time and pick everything apart. Mm -hmm. But Andrew, carry on for that for a second. So I'm putting on a sweatshirt because well, I'm getting eaten alive. You're good. My next dock fishing tip, and a lot of people I don't Can think this. Um, when you're going down the dock after you've already made your cast, a lot of times when they like when you skip a jig underneath the dock, you're going to feel that thump because you're, they're sucking your bait in while they eat it. As soon as I make that cast, because I'm fishing so quick on docks, but slow at the same time because you have to be methodical, I'll actually be looking for my next cast or two or three on where I'm going to put that bait after my bait hits the water and I'm popping my jig or whatever's on the bottom, as I'm really in, I'm already visualizing my second, third, and fourth cast on that dock and looking to see how shallow it is. And each cast, I'm thinking of my next two or three, four casts. And then after my last one, if the next dock, depending on where it is, I'll actually start looking there. And before I even make my cast, I already have my first, second, third cast plan on how I want to position the boat to go around those docks. And I think that's key too is if you watch a lot of people fish docks, as Bailey said, they just kind of nose it on the front, make their two, three, four, right post, dead middle, left post, and leave. But if you really break down and look at a dock, there might be seven posts underneath that dock, and that fish could literally be on any one of those posts. So it's all about multiple casts for me, quick efficiency, quiet. Try not to hit too many metal objects with your one ounce or three quarter ounce baits and keep moving until you get bit. If they're on docks, you'll know pretty quick when you're doing it because it's going to be a good bite. Oh, it's almost yeah. a thump when you're on a bait casting gear. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. Oh, dang it. I said 100% again. I thought I, I thought I broke that habit. Um, <laughs> Drink. But no, it's, I, another quick snippet to it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just noticed this, but um, there's there's a very little amount of people that I've noticed that throw top water around docks. And if they do, they kind of throw it in the slips in between docks. Whereas not a lot of people throw top water under docks. Granted, it is hard to say, you know, practically impossible to skip a spook or something under docks. But like, if you've never thrown a frog under a dock... I'll just leave it at that. Flipping baits and setups here, Bailey. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know why I started on a tangent for dock fishing. You're correct. Excuse me. Ignore me. It's been a, it's 90 <laughs> degrees here in New York. Okay, the heat does weird things to us Northerners. Got to really in here. So, onto <laughs> yeah. uh, the <laughs> tangents, man. Tangents. Right. Well, let's move from docks onto wood. So I'll let you start on wood. Uh, first things first. Never use braid, ever. Why? Because <laughs> it cuts into the wood, and you're pretty much going to get hung up so many times. It's just not fun. 
Yeah. And you'll set the hook and it's going to feel great that first hook set, but then you're going to like break your wrist doing it because it's braided to wood and the wood's not going to move. Well, that's um, the other but, thing a lot of people fish braid on docks. If you have metal, it's okay. If you have wood, it's going to, when you set the hook, it's going to dig into that wood post and you're going to lose mm -hmm. way more fish. Way more. Always mm -hmm. floral on docks. Always. Mm -hmm. In my Oh, one last thing on the whole dock thing, which can apply to flipping. A lot of people will avoid, um, you know, cables and all that crap. Um, and the wise words, and Andrew, I've heard you use this as well, and something I've trying to reinforce myself in the past couple of seasons, because I used to be the guy to avoid it all, but you got to put it where they live, you know, catch them and worry about getting them out later. You know, hook them yeah. and worry about getting them out later. Hook them second and then worry about landing them because if you don't hook them, you have no shot at landing them. Mm -hmm. So, I a mean, really cool snippet that I saw from John Cox at Lake Travis during the MLF event was he skipped in under there and he's just like giggling. He goes, I'm over cables and like being John Cox and being giggly. And he hooks into one. He goes, Oh God, I don't know how I'm going to get him out. And the fish goes around cables. And what he does, is he already had hooked it. And this is, this is, talk about trusting your gear um opened his bail and then went under like under the dock and started wrapping his rod around the, the cables got the rod out closed his bail reeled in like 10 yards of loose line and then the fish was still on there no phrase yeah. Boat flipped it and everything yeah and that's the other thing Strategy, too is you, but either way yeah you have to understand the situation you're in cables in that situation to put pressure on that fish Probably not the best idea, but you also have to remember as you have that tension mm -hmm. loose on the line, there's still going to be tension on that fish because he's got you wrapped on cables. So he probably the way he maneuvered those rod that rod through all those cables, mm -hmm. he, right when he started reeling, that fish probably just came off the cable and pulled that tension. He was able to get the tension back on it without damaging his line. So it's always hook first, ask questions later. <laughs> Always. I'll never yeah. forget I was at um, one of our Finger Lakes it was a pontoon boat and the boat hoist for the yeah. pontoon boat because there was wave it's a great motto was slightly lifting up off the pontoon hoist and my jig went underneath in between the two and I hooked like a four pounder and as I was fighting it the pontoon boat came down on the hoist and pinched the fish <laughs> did it die? No, fish, the fish was fine. It just the way it got like stuck in there. I had to wait for like another boat wake to come through for the boat to lift up, and I had to pull the fish out. It was nuts. So like sandwich the fish down yeah. again. Yeah, you had a a bass sandwich. Yeah, literally. Like as I'm fighting the fish, I can hear it hitting it because it like literally got pinned right on the the pontoon point in the hoist where its face oh was gosh. like stuck. And you could hear the jig like doing 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 doing. doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like pinball. <laughs> yeah, literally, the fish is stuck. And I can look underneath because I was like on the corner. I could look underneath and see the fish flapping. But he had no tension and just kept him tight. And another boat came by and the boat lifted up just slightly and my line came out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Fun um, little story. Yeah. So, so onto wood. Back on the wood. Uh, my go-to setup. Obviously, there's a bunch of different ways you can fish. My cutting out. You're good. 
Okay. So my favorite setup for at wood, obviously you can throw a multitude of different baits, but um, I started playing around with this rod, and so far I like it. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, that is the Powell. It is a, a 7.3 uh, mag medium heavy. Um, and I do like the Magnum because you can pretty much horse any fish. I haven't had a fish work me at all yet. Uh, but um, sometimes I do worry about my hook set, just seeing where the hook placement in placement is in the fish. So I do have some more playing around to do. But it's a 7.3 Magnum medium heavy. Got a clean tackle jig on there. 17 pound fluorocarbon. Probably should bump it up to 20, but been so far, been fine. Um, basically, for me, I like to start at the shallow end of trees. I'll work in towards that tree and I'll move in in front of it from the front face and make a 45 degree flip towards the shallow base of the tree. Typically, at least in my experience, that's where you find bigger fish. At least in my experience, I could be wrong. Uh, if you feel differently, please comment down below. We love to hear it. Um, and then I work my way out and then I will move around the tree. I'll make a, I'll cast, you know, 20 feet in front of the tree on that deep end just in case there's one that's rogue out there and then go around and do the same thing on the other side. That's kind of how I approach flipping a tree. If I know they're getting on wood, I mean, I might spend 10, 15 minutes on one tree, depending on how big it is. Like if it's a massive tree, take your time because chances are there's probably a lot of fish on it. Um, but working that, a jig is my absolute favorite to work any sort of wood just because it's Absolutely. probably your best bet in terms of hookup ratio, uh, getting them out even if they're around branches with that floor carbon um, and just not really getting hung up. So that's, that's for me. Let's go well, ahead, Andy. With a kayak, be a little bit more stealthy in my opinion. So I approach trees completely the opposite of you. I yep. always come in at a 45 degree angle, but I start on the outside and work in on one side. And then after I, catch one on the outside and work in, I'll rotate my boat around on the front face and keep fishing the outside, and I'm working my way back in on the other side of the tree. So I, I take the steelhead approach to it, or I grew up trout fishing, right? Steelhead. The most active fish, I can't even say the most active fish. The first fish to bite, you always want to be the inside fish because if you hook the outside fish first, on a creek, you're going to spook all of the inside fish. So it's the same thing. If you're in a tree situation, you're coming in from the outside of the 45. If you hook one on the inside of the tree and you bring them back through out of the tree, there's possibly two or three or four more fish in that tree coming out that you might spook while fighting them out. So that's why I always approach the deepest part of the tree up to the shallowest on one side. And then I'll work my way back out and then go around the other side of the tree. Takes a lot longer to do. But if you hook one on the outside, that gives you a clear indication based on the way they bite that bait if there's more in there, if there isn't too. So when you flip in that outside, if a fish runs away from the bush, like instantly they eat your bait on the fall and they run away, that's usually a clear indication that there's more fish in that tree because they're competing on it. So that's when I'll be like, okay, I'm going to work my way back. And then go around the other side. But it's always a jig. Always. You don't get snagged up as much. But uh, my rod choice will be the same as a uh, dock rod. I want something that's 
that soft tip parabolic action with a ton of ass. So I can really lean into them and not worry about ripping the hook out of their mouth. Because a lot of times when they eat it, they're pinned down inside the tree. A lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Unless they eat it right on the front and run out. Right. Now, are you flipping a Texas rig at all into trees? Depending on the tree. If it's um, if it's just tree. like <laughs> no, no, the way the tree is laying in the water. Right? So if you have a tree that's got a lot of greenery, so let's call it a shrubbery tree. If you have a shrubbery in the water, a jig works better, in my opinion, to go through all the greenery on it. If you have just a tree that's dead laying in the water and there's no leaves on it, then I'll go through this area. On an oak tree, I throw jigs. On a pine tree, I throw Texas rigs. <laughs> if it's a brush pile, I don't even fish it. <laughs> I wish we had brush in New York. That'd be so much fun. I wish we were allowed to put in brush. Yes. Yeah. But okay, I think that should move on to our segment for grass. Because I'm not sure. Do we miss anything for fishing wood? No, wood's pretty simple. It's just, it's all about how you feel comfortable approaching it in your own setup. As as we always say, these are our opinions. They're not set in stone. Everybody fish your confidence, what you believe in. This is just what you do at what we do. And you can, if you're listening closely, you'll notice that, pardon me, me and Bailey have similar approaches, but we almost use different setups to do it. So I think that's kind of cool too. Because you get to see two different approaches, so you know that it's just not Bailey's approach or Andy's approach. It's literally the fact that you can have your own approach, use what works for you, and always work on fine-tuning it. But on the grass, Bailey's a much better grass fisherman than I am. So, I think the, uh, the most important thing for fishing grass um, is to note, one, if there's any wind, and two... Is there any possible current going on in your fishery? Uh, I think that's the first thing to note. Um, and I learned that in the recent, about a year ago, fishing with Destin, um, is you can catch fish flipping, but you can be more efficient when flipping grass if you have a direction because you'll know how those fish will be set up. Um, it can kind of be all over the place if there's no current whatsoever. You, I, I feel like it's almost... You might almost be better off. I don't know. That's an interesting conversation. You might almost be better off without current because those fish will be set up every which way and you can kind of stumble into a bunch of them. But I think like for the most part, if you have a little bit of current going on where you see that grass is kind of all bending in one similar direction, if you can kind of face it and almost fish it like a current-based system and kind of target those pockets that way, um, that's kind of how you're going to, I feel like in that situation, that's how you're going to get better bites because if you got to think about it, if that pushes, that water's pushing that grass the one certain way, that's going to make those fish uh, face their head that one uh, a specific direction, and that's how you're going to have that element of surprise, which is obviously what flipping has about it. If if flipping didn't have the element of surprise, you wouldn't be catching any fish because you're almost on top of them. Yeah. Um, but basically, you're targeting, you know, whether milfoil, hydrilla. I've seen certain cases where fish get in cabbage, but I haven't 
really figured that out that part out yet. Um, well, four or five pounders. I don't. I can't get on a good consistent bite in cabbage yet. I think that's for a reason. I think it's just not enough oxygen. But I don't know. I'm not a biologist. But what I, what I found with cabbage is it's a post spawn deal mostly. When they're coming out, I think the cabbage is an easy spot for the fry to get on because it's curly, so they see it as somewhere they can hide. And those big ones will kind of roam through those cabbage fields, protecting their fry. Because after like July, you don't catch them in cabbage. I've caught some big ones in cabbage, but it's always immediately post spawn. Always, in my personal opinion, but I could be wrong as well. Right. Like part of me now that we're talking about it, I wonder if anyone has a personal opinion, let us know. But I almost wonder because cabbage seems to be around in colder temperatures. I wonder mm -hmm. if it, maybe it's a deal when that milfoil and hydrilla die, when those temps drop or early season, that maybe that's why they get into it because it's the only so source of oxygen they have. Um, maybe that could be it. Maybe it's just a timing deal. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah essentially, you're right. You're, you're basically targeting holes in the grass and you want to target, like if there's a whole flat where there's a whole bunch of grass around um, and they're all spaced out and they're very similar and there's not really anything different going on, that's really kind of hard to approach. And I don't really have confidence in that. It's when you have a grass flat that has holes in the grass, it has, um, when you see grass, a grass patch, yeah, when you have a grass patch, it's very condense and thick when you can get a heavier like a three-quarter ounce jig or an ounce jig and flip into that you'll find some fish sitting in there because it's an ambush point um that's kind of what i like to focus on but um, obviously if you have a if you have the time to you can get out when it's you know when that grass is dead and graph that section to see if there's any wood if there's any indentations wow. if maybe there's some irregularities like maybe it's just a, it goes from five foot to four foot and back to five foot in a certain section they they will relate to that um so that's kind of how i approach it and basically it's the same thing it's fl either flipping a heavy jig um it's flipping i mean if it's spaced out enough flip a lighter jig they're like a three ace play around with that speed let the fish tell you what they want uh flip around a texas rig you know a a slither rig as they call it basically a texas rig with a skirt um and a drop shot. You like to throw a drop shot in grass. You like to throw a drop a drop shot in grass. Oh yeah, it, drop shot always gets bit. Always, <laughs> always, always. Let's hear. Let's hear your approach to grass. No foil or coontail, and um, I will spend. I will actually fish grass. I the first thing I do never is flip when I go grass fishing. I will actually throw like a chatterbait or a square bill or even top water over top of grass until I find a section. Because a lot of times I don't have time to practice. So when I'm fishing a tournament and I'm like, it's going to be a grass deal today, it's slick calm. First thing in the morning, I'll pull up into an area that looks good on a map. And the first thing I'll do is be like, is there activity? And I'll start winging around a top water. And what I'll do is make mental notes of where I got bit or had a blow up. And then as I get in that area, I'll throw a waypoint down, and I'm always looking in the water. And as soon as I see the grass that I want to fish, like let's call it there's big holes missing in it, or you're on a grass edge and you see like cuts on it, so it'll be like flat, 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 and then a couple cuts, and then flat. Those are the areas that I'm looking to fish, and I'll fish on the outside of it and work my way in because first thing in the morning, they tend to roam it. 
and then as the sun comes up, flat calm, they'll actually get into the grass. So that's when you can up your weight and get some baits and kind of poke your way around. But uh, that's my biggest thing is if I had time to practice, I would honestly just get in the grass and idle around, and I would almost want to stand up so I can look and see what I'm looking at and try to find the irregular irregularities in that grass field where the high percentage areas will be because up here in the north all of our lakes have grass and they all look the same from two foot uh 10 to 18 foot the grass looks the same but there's going to be like these little irregularities inside of it where the key high percentage areas will be and the two baits that i always fish in grass is a tube and a senko I just feel they go through the grass the best, and that's what I have confidence in. I don't flip jigs in grass very often. It's always soft plastic, tuber, senko, and made some money doing it, so we'll take it. You used to flip a green pumpkin jig all the time. I remember you used to, you told me that one of the first times I ever talked to you. Yeah, you so were shooting the I shit, did. and you told me about that. Two years yeah, about a year and a half ago, I switched. I found I got way more bites doing this. I can't so, remember what I ate for breakfast, but I can remember what Andrew told me he flips with like five years ago. I can tell you what jig it is, too. It's a Greg Hackney Strike King Fluoro jig. That was my grass Yeah. Oh, dude, my, uh, my setup that I like, um, and I just started playing around with this alpha angler here. I even though people probably can't even see it. Um, to seven six heavy fast, uh, I just like the seven the feel of a seven six and that heavy fast kind of you can really lay the lumber into them. Yep. Um, but I want to play around with like a a seven three, like a heavy. Now, Ab Abu Garcia makes a, a Fantasista. Their heavy fast is kind of different than this Alpha Angler. This Alpha Angler is like a true heavy, whereas that Fantasista is kind of like a. It's almost like a. Yeah, it's got that parallel bend where it's almost a mix between a medium heavy and a heavy. Where I want to play around with like a forty pound braid and flip and flip with that too, um, and try to play around with that this year. But we're gonna see. I have to wait for my rod to get repaired and parts are all back ordered. And then I broke one, and that's not apparently not coming till September. That's a whole another deal. But I got this Alpha Angler. It's the hitter, uh, and so far, me like. Um, but I have Crad OK. Uh, 200 XG. It is an eight to two, I believe. Yes, no. Oh, what's an eight to five? Twenty pound fluorocarbon, and basically have three eighths ounce unpegged weight. I kind of like to roll with the unpegged if I don't need to peg it. You know, if you have that space in the grass or if you're fishing some open areas. Uh, it's got a simple rage bug in there. I play around with a whole bunch of different plastics, honestly. Just whatever it kind of feels like it makes sense for the time being. Um, I have so many different flipping plastics in my boat. It's ridiculous. Um, How good does that look? That does look good. Looks good for skipping. It will be. But, but yeah, I like that. Uh, so far, I've caught a few fish on the hitter, and thing feels like a dream. I just like that heavy that seven six. It just I don't know. It feels like whenever uh, you you can really crack them, and you just kind of know they're not going to come off. Especially uh, you mean, can you can hit them at a farther ways. I'm in the same boat. I, I like a little bit softer rod, but that, I think that's just the way I fish. I like softer rods. 
So my favorite grass flipping setup is so far this X Matrix DXC755. You guys have probably heard me talk about this rod a ton. It is probably my favorite Douglas rod. I have a Tatula. Actually, this is a Zillion 7.3. It's got 30-pound fluorescent green braid, almost like a Seth Fighter setup. 20-pound um, fluoro or 17-pound fluoro with an Albright Knight. Not that's is or Alberto Knot or whatever it's called. I'm the worst with knot names. But this is my grass flipping setup. 99. Utah and Alberto. Alberto. See, there you go. Albright, Alberto, something. That's how you know people are pals is when they know are fishing knots. Yes. <laughs> so um, give me one second, but um, let's go through real fast our five flipping baits that we're going to use the most this summer. I'll let you start. I just have to run downstairs really quick. Okay. Oh, God. Put me on the spot. Okay. Oh, um, Put me on the spot. Um, I got an echo. I got an echo. Hold on, I'm gonna mute Andrew here. Okay, so that's just me. Um, so for me, my top five flipping baits. Um, the one I've had the most confidence with in recent is a Strike King Rage Bug. That's probably just over time. That's the one I have most confidence in is a Strike King Rage Bug. I'd say second is probably a Damiki Aircraw. I really like stuff that Damiki makes. And the air craw, just those craws. It's kind of a cool little action in the water. Um, kind of keeps it up in a vertical presentation versus laying horizontal on the ground. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, there's the, uh, I don't know. The three to five is like weird situations all over the place. I like a reaction innovations. It's a man bear pig. It's one of the coolest names for the bait. It's got a bug in my eye. There we go. <laughs> and I choked up. <laughs> You're a hot buggy mess, dude. <laughs> Free protein. We, we need this fire to start. Good gosh. Free protein. I'll, I'll start. I'm going to be off here in a second. Uh, uh, I have Brandon Lewis with me. Which I forgot to mention. Our buddy. Our buddy. Uh, <laughs> okay, I think I'm good now. Okay, Man Bear Pig for number three. Number four? Oh, sorry. Man Bear Pig is four. Three is a Mistle Bait's D-Bomb. I can't believe I forgot about that. I love flipping a D-Bomb. Um, I think, honestly, actually in stride with that, Man Bear Pig is getting pushed to fifth because fourth is a Mistle Bait's Destroyer. I love a Destroyer, too. Uh, honestly, I don't flip a lot with a destroyer. If they're spaced out grass, I like to make longer casts with a destroyer and drag it through, and I'll feel a pocket, and I'll let it just sit in that pocket. I've done pretty well in some tournaments up here in New York doing that, just grabbing it, and just dragging it through grass, making longer casts with it, um, which I don't think a lot of people do. So I, I like that. That's my five. And hopefully I don't choke on another bug as you do your thing. So first bait that I always have tied on when flipping is an old-fashioned 4.5 coffee flipping tube. Um, 
This one's green pumpkin. The other color I use is green pumpkin chartreuse. Only two flipping tubes you need. Number two in New York is a Senko. There's a couple different colors. Find your own niche. I like black a lot of the time. Black is good. Number three is going to be a fuzzy beaver or rodent or beaver style bait, something that just mimics a craw. Number four is your old trusty standby jig. I love flipping a jig, shallow, docks, wood. I always have two or three of them tied on. Different, almost always black, but I'll go like black with a black and blue trailer, black with a green pumpkin trailer, black with a summer craw trailer, let's call it would be like my three jigs that I would have tied on. And then fifth, I don't have a fifth one because I normally only do four, but this year I'm going to try to incorporate this BFE, Big Bites Baits, Best Flipper Ever. It's intriguing because it's like a hybrid of a creature bait and a tube. And I'm pretty excited about that because I think it's going to go through grass really well and just give us another option to use that, I don't think a lot of people are using up here. So I'm really excited to try that. Just from cosmetics alone, that qualifies as the fit in the fifth. But if I had to have five of what I would use, the fifth would be a baby brush hog. But that would be on a, like a power shot setup flipping grass. Yeah, I, for some reason I thought we were just talking like plastics. Because if a jig is, jig is second for me right. if I had to choose a jig. No, it's okay. Um, flipping bait. <laughs> flipping bait, yeah. I'm just a dummy and streamline my brain sometimes too much. Uh, but Jig would definitely be second. But it's fair enough. Is there anything else we need to cover in terms of flipping? No, I, I think um, what people should expect eventually from us is a flipping video. I think we should put out like flipping trees and docks and stuff. I think that'll be good. Grass. I know just the place. <laughs> Me too. It doesn't have a lot of big fish in it, but we can catch a bunch of them doing some fun stuff. So no, we're not doing that. We're not going there. Nope. Not happening. It's not, the folks, folks want to see either. big fish. I don't it's care. The, the folks want to see big fish. Okay. We're going to go to the big fish. Okay. <laughs> Might not be until October when I have time, but okay. I was going to say, if Andrew ever gets time to do it. <laughs> I, I have like zero time to fun fish right now. Zero. <laughs> hey, man, that's the cost of chasing the dream. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, in two weeks, I'll have a couple days of practice, hopefully, on Chautauqua. So we'll be okay. ready to go for our first derby. I really need okay, to get man. flipped because I haven't flipped it all this year. So. I'm missing it. But I think that soon, my friend. Anything else that you want to cover? I think that pretty much sums it up. I and mean, we can obviously do a part two or have someone on to obviously talk about such a thing. I mean, it'd be really, really cool to get like, I mean, if you want to talk about northern summer grass flipping or just grass flipping in general, because he's done it all over the country, it'd be cool to get fighter on here to talk about grass and wood. Um, someone who's just really good. Or get like Menendez for talking about shallow wood. Um, or Bradley Holman again. Holman again. Or get like a Peroznik to talk about fishing docks. Um, I think that would be really cool. Obviously, you know, Bill Owen's another one. That would be really cool. Yeah. Lowen is supposed to come on the show here soon. 
Um, <clears throat> I still got that bug in my throat, dude. I can feel it. It's so gross. Well, um, on that point, I think we should sign off. And everybody, uh, like, comment, share, and let us know what <laughs> you want to see from us. And um, leave five stars for uh, Bailey choking on a bug for half the episode in Trooper Inc. through. So I'm out here making sacrifices for the people. <laughs> no, we appreciate everybody tuning in. We really do. And uh, I got a derby to go get ready for. Got one more day of practice. Not have really have any sort of expectation for it whatsoever. Going to go into it, like you said, Andrew. Because I, I called you probably a couple hours ago as I was on the water. I'm like, dude, this is awesome if we're fun fishing. For yeah. a tournament, this sucks. Yeah, and I was absolutely. just like, kind of in my, I was mentally just like not prepared. Because like I have no confidence in tournaments like this where everyone is is smashing on them. I, I like, like tournaments. Tough tournaments. I love yeah. tough tournaments. So I like I like tougher tournaments with the opportunity that's there to get on a good bite. Where like yeah. you really have to put in the work to find it. Uh, not where like a tournament like this where any Yahoo can kind of have no practice, go out with a Senko and catch a big bag. Um, not saying that like it's a bad thing, but like it's a hard tournament to win is basically what I'm trying to get at. And I have no confidence in a scenario like it. So we're going to go see if we can find something off the wall that'll help us at least get a better chance at doing well. So we're going to see, we're going to go out with no expectations, just have fun because they're doing the dirty and it's a fun time to catch big fish. So worst comes to worse, you know, we don't win, which is fine. And uh, we get to go see some cool people and have some beers after. So That's either so way, Either way, we'll see what happens, and obviously the folks will know if you follow follow us on social. We 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 don't we never plug this, Andrew. But if you guys want to follow us on our social pages, our personal social pages, it is down in the description. If you feel so generous or you care enough to want to follow our personal <laughs> endeavors, so. But I think that does it for us. Uh, we're gonna sign off here. We'll see you guys on Monday Night Live. We'll be joining uh, Tyler. We'll be joined by Tyler's Real Fishing, talking about. Uh, his route into where his career's at, um, fishing on the collegiate level, and obviously building his brand to what it is now. So hopefully you see you guys on Monday. Yep. Everyone, have a good night. <laughs>